Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub. Today, Pastor Greg Scalzo will be concluding the sermon on Israel's request for a king. Last time, Pastor went back to the conquest of Canaan and reviewed how Joshua had the Canaanite and Amorite kings hung on a tree until sundown, and the scripture says their tombs remain until this day. Here now is Pastor Greg as he examines the interesting contrast of these kings to our Lord Jesus. God does to them just as he did to the Canaanites. Why? Because they're just as sinful. God's chosen people are just as sinful as the Canaanites. A matter of fact, what? All mankind, we're all just as sinful as the Canaanites. You take any group of people and you leave them to their sins and in a few generations, they become just like the Canaanites. You could take this nation where people every Sunday filled churches, spent all day on their town greens worshiping God and speaking about God and give it several generations away from the Lord. And this nation too can become like the Canaanites because all mankind is sinful. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. There's wickedness in each and every individual. Remember how we read in Judges chapter 2 and verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord's anger. And we'll see, they even started to worship Moloch, and they took and they sacrificed their children in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. And it was too much. In Jeremiah's time, the people, this is many centuries later from what we just read here, at the time of the Babylonian captivity, the people would mourn God's judgment and chapter 9, verse 19, For a voice of wailing is heard from Zion, how we are plundered. We are greatly ashamed because we have forsaken the land, because we have been cast out of our dwellings. They too become vomited out of the land. And so many centuries further down, after they've come back in the land, when the religious leaders develop this attitude in Israel, look how good we are. Look how different we are from all the Gentiles, these Romans, these Greeks. They forgot the lesson of the past, that they are just as sinful as the pagans, and they need help as well. They need a special type of king to associate himself with them. And when Messiah comes and brings them the opposite message, he doesn't tell them, oh, you're so good. He says how the sick need a doctor, need a physician, trying to convict them that they too, even like the tax gatherer, they too were sick and needed a physician. They did not like the message Messiah brought. They were looking for a conquering king to conquer the enemy. 
And God gave them a king, a king who did conquer the enemy, the real enemy, which is the devil and our own sinful natures and our worst enemy, ourselves. He gave them one who went into the waters of baptism and repented, even though there was no reason for him to repent. And the king must associate himself with the people. And when he brings them this message of repentance, of needing to be born again, he's rejected by his own people. He's handed over to the Roman government, to Pilate, and he's crucified. He's taken out to Golgotha. Golgotha's a hill outside, just outside the city gates, the city walls of Jerusalem. And he's taken and he's hung on a tree. Now, Pilate is making an example of what he has to do. He knows he's not a criminal, but he has to treat him like a criminal because the Jewish people have said to him, we have no king but Caesar. He's afraid of what the politics in Rome would do to him if he doesn't treat this man as a criminal. The Sanhedrin and the high priest have handed him over. They want him to display there to the people that we don't follow such a one as this. But God has something else he's displaying with this man on the cross. He's dealing with the sin. He's dealing with the sin of his people. And in John chapter 19 and verse 19, now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, right outside that city gate. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but rather he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. He is the king of the Jews. Because the Jews were as sinful as everyone else. And this Messiah who would be their king also, like the kings of those Gentile nations, needed to be taken outside their city gate, the center of Israel, Jerusalem, as a representation of the people the sins of the people, taking upon him the sins of the people. The symbol is that sin must be crucified. And he must also be hung on the tree because the people are sinful. As the king of Ai, as the five Amorite kings. But when they were there, they were a sign of the people's sin and their own sin. But when he's there, as he takes the association, as he takes upon himself their sins, as he makes himself one with them, their representative, their king. By handing him over, they don't realize the high priest, they're declaring him their king. He also displays holiness, God's holiness, because in that position, he never once sins. The other peoples, the Canaanites, don't hand over their king. But the Jews saying, look how good we are, don't realize that they've just handed over their king who hangs there 
associating himself with his people. The close connection of the king with the people. For all sin, all fall short of the glory of God, not just the Canaanites, but the Israelites, not just the Israelites, but the whole world. And so he's not just the king of the Jews. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's now associated with all mankind. He's associated with you and with me. And we're sinful. We deserve death for our sins. We deserve to be utterly destroyed. And there he is, our representative, taking upon himself what we deserve. But we don't have to be destroyed in this world like the Canaanites because he's totally holy. Now he can save. When we recognize him as king, he can change us. And this is a new contract, the new covenant of hope, that our king brings victory over sin, not by being buried and done away with, with a tomb that remains to this day and he's the cane inside of it. See, what happens, we read in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57, now when evening had come, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and he laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, the cave. And he rolled a large stone against the door and departed. So he's taken down at evening according to the law, just as those Canaanite kings were. He's placed in a tomb like the five Amorite kings. A large stone is rolled in front of it just like the Amorite kings. But when they come to prepare the body that Sunday morning, the angel rolls back the stone from the tomb for the women to see, to reveal an empty tomb because unlike all the other kings that ever reigned and all the other humans that ever lived, this one Jesus never sinned. And so death could not hold him. Death could not have victory over him. There's an empty grave and that grave remains empty even to this day and it proclaims the victory, the utter defeat of sin, the utter defeat of Satan, and the victory we can have over our old sinful selves as we accept the king who associated himself with us and took our punishment and made himself the symbol of sin crucified and of holiness revealed and the tomb remains empty to this day. It proclaims his holiness forever. It is finished. It is done. Sin and death are conquered. And here's the great gift of God. We said that people usually get the leader they deserve, the king they deserve. But it was a gift of God that we receive the leader, a king we did not deserve one who took upon himself, was treated by us, was treated by mankind as he did not deserve. But by this God provided salvation because our king associated himself with us and took upon himself our sins. 
He is the king. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of all mankind that we have to come to and bow down. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And now this moment, if you hear this message, you can become his subject. You can make him your king, and then you can become a member of his kingdom. You can become a member of the kingdom of heaven. Someday our king will return in power and take the land and establish his messianic kingdom in this world. But right now is the moment to make yourself a subject of the king, to look at that cross and say, Lord Jesus, you died for me, for there was no sin in you, but you came down from heaven to associate yourself with me, to hang outside the city gates, to become as one of us, and to die a death you did not deserve. Lord, you rose from the dead, and that tomb is empty, and you can give me today resurrection life, and change me, and bury my old self, and raise me a new person. I accept you, Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Reign in my heart. Live your life in me, Lord. Make me an active member of your kingdom, that I may live with you, that I may reign with you in the world to come, that I may be with you for all eternity. You are my King, you are my Messiah. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the salvation, the gift you give me today. In your name I pray, amen. Join us next time for Shi'ar Jeshub.